Thanks for tuning in to the podcast of The Porch Church. We hope today's message blesses you and encourages you in your spiritual journey. If you have questions, visit us on the web, www.theporchchurch.tv. Closer here. <clears throat> A couple weeks ago, uh, I was driving up to the booming metropolis of Douglas, Wyoming. Anybody know where Douglas, Wyoming is? A couple Wyoming people here. Uh, so I knew I just hopped on I-25, right? It's about a three and a half hour drive in total. So hopped on I-25 about three hours later, right? Started seeing the signs. And so I'd saved the address of the hotel that we were going to uh, in my phone. We were going to meet Melissa's family. They were going to take our boys for a, a, what ended up being a week and a half, which is like the best Christmas present ever. <laughs> It was awesome, and uh, so we were driving there. I got to Douglas, Wyoming. I saw the signs, and I went to go pull it up in my phone, and I had no signal. It's Wyoming, right? It figures. There's probably no signal. I'll wait till I get a little bit closer to the town. I get off at the exit to Douglas. I'm driving through town. No signal. My son is being my co-pilot, and he's trying to help me out here, and I'm driving past a Verizon store, and I have no cell phone <laughs> signal, and I'm like, there's something going on here. There's something happening. I don't quite know what it is. I ended up being two exits in the town of Douglas, Wyoming, in case you ever decide to visit there. We got off at the first one because I didn't know there was two, and the hotel ended up being right at the exit to the second, uh, the second exit off I-25 there. So thankfully, we got to the hotel. When we got there, I was told, hey, you know what? Uh, glad you made it. We, we heard that cell phone signal was out from here to Denver, we called and left you a voicemail. Some of you will get that on the way home. It's all right, though. So we got there, and I was like, wow, that's, that's kind of scary, right? There's a little bit of wind. There's a little bit of stuff blowing. And I was like, thank goodness something didn't happen, right? Because in the 21st century, I'm not prepared for my car to go off the road and have no cell phone signal with two boys in the car, right? That's just not, not quite how we live our life. We're so dependent on cell phone signal being there, on directions being there, on being able to arrive there. And again, I'm a, I'm a millennial. I can prove it. I've got the birth certificate. And so when I was in town, I could have just pulled over and asked for directions. Do you think I did that? Absolutely not. So many factors. I'm a guy. I'm a millennial. I know where I'm going. All those kinds of things. Nonetheless, though, last week we talked about having a clearly defined destination. I knew exactly where I was going. I had the address clearly mapped out. I knew exactly where I wanted to get to. But at the end of the day, I had no directions. I knew exactly where I was going. I knew who I was meeting. I knew, at least I thought I knew how to get there, but I didn't have the direction step by step to get me to the place where I wanted to be. See, having a clearly defined destination is absolutely the first step to seeing clearly in this journey that we call life. It's true in our car. It's true as we walk along through life. It's true in our spirituality, having that clearly defined destination, but without some direction, without some step by step processes, we simply can't make it to our destination, right? A clearly defined destination is no guarantee that you will ever arrive at that place that you've clearly defined, right? For instance, let's throw this up there. How many of you know what this is? Oh, not that one. That one. One person in the back, right? This is where you are right now. This is your latitude and longitude. This is your GPS location. So I want everybody to copy this number, send it to their friends. Hey, join me at church. It's so awesome, right? I don't think they're going to get the message. Why not? 
They have the destination, right? They know where to go. They just don't have the directions. They don't know how to get there. It doesn't quite add up because you can have the destination, but if you don't know the directions, you're never going to arrive up there. If I invited you over to my house and I took away your smartphone uh, and I took away the internet from you, how would you find my house? Chances are you would need more than an address. You wouldn't go to the white pages and try to trace your finger along the map, especially in a place like Denver, you would, we're dependent on those directions that come to us through the internet. We spent uh, a large portion of time in a town called Mitchell, South Dakota. Um, it's an even more booming metropolis than Douglas, Wyoming. And uh, there were a lot of farmers in that community. And a direction to farmers' houses, especially at that time, is exactly like you'd imagine it. You're going to take a right off the highway, take a left at the big oak tree. When you see the fence, it's two lefts past that, and then you'll be in our driveway, right? Because little hint, right? GPS doesn't work on streets where one person drives. Uh, They just don't care to update it. They don't care about getting the address in the right spot. So we're dependent not only on address, but they gave us directions to arrive at their house. In order to see our way clearly into the future, into 2020 and beyond, and only in order to arrive at the destinations that we've marked out, we don't just need a clear goal. We need a set of steps to accomplish that journey, to move us from where we're at to where we want to be. This is why so many New Year's resolutions fail and why we've largely even given up on that process because we go, oh, I want to lose weight. I'm going to cut sugar. I'm going to spend more family time. I'm going to be more present. I'm going to put the phone away at dinner, all of these kinds of ideas. But all we end up with is a destination, is a goal, is a big, broad heading, but we don't take the work to put the steps in place to accomplish those goals, which is why One year from now, if you set out to be different, life is going to change. We talked about that last week. But if you just have a goal, if you just have an aspiration, if you just have a hope that things are going to be different, the chance of you arriving at your goal one year from today is pretty slim. That's why successful goals, successful achievements are built around small steps, directions that if followed will lead you to your desired destination. Again, it's true when we're driving in our cars and taking directions. It's true when we're setting the trajectory for our life, and it's true for our spirituality, right? Simply saying, this year I'm going to read my Bible more, I'm going to be in church more, is no guarantee that those things actually happen. We need small steps along the way in order to direct us towards the goal that we ultimately want to end up with. And so today, I just want to unpack one simple truth with you. If you hear nothing else, just hear this, and then you can tune me out. Uh, But direction determines destination. The direction that you're walking in, the actual steps on the path are ultimately what determine your destination, right? We can have aspirations about where we want to end up, how we want this life to go, how we want this year to go, this day to go, this car trip to go, but without fundamental directions that we follow step by step, that's ultimately going to determine where we end up. If your, direction, if your directions are leading you in a different place than your destination, you will not arrive at the same place. The steps that you take now will lead you to where you will eventually end up. The path that you're on leads somewhere, and if you're not careful about which directions you're following, there's no telling where you'll end up. So the question before us today, perhaps as a terms of reflection, is is the path that you're on leading you to where you want to go? 
Are the steps that you're taking, are the practices in your life, are those steps that are leading you toward the destination that you ultimately want to arrive at? Because if your destination is north and you're heading south, you're not going to get there. If your destination is to eventually retire comfortably and be able to enjoy some of the later years in your life, but you're living beyond your means day in and day out, chances are you're not going to get there. If your destination is more meaningful relationships, but all your time is spent superficially with people, you may not arrive at your destination. If your goal is a healthy marriage, but you're driving towards separation, that's a problem. If the path that you're on is driving you further away from your kids, no matter how much you want that relationship with them, the directions are not leading you towards your destination. And ultimately, destination is not determined by just putting a point on a map and saying, I'm going there. Destination is determined by our directions, by the steps that we take. So last week, I had you kind of go through some life categories. I gave you a little bit of homework, and I said, talk about this at lunch. Define some destinations for yourself. Maybe it's in the coming year. You can pick whatever category you want. It can be relationships or financial or spiritual. I don't care. Just come up with some, def- with some defined destinations, some places you want to get to. Today, I want to give us four sources where we can find direction for our life, where we can find step-by-step instructions on how to get to where we want to go. And then I want to unify that in a principle that we put in practice here at this church and in this place to be able to help us follow those directions to reach our destination accordingly. Does that sound good? Woo! Here we go. I had too much coffee this morning. Where do we get directions for life, right? We have Google Maps for our cars. We've established that, right? We put the address in. We follow the directions. It yells out to us where to turn. But where do we go for directions for life? life, right? Depending on those categories that you have, you may say, well, I have some financial goals, and you would meet with a financial counselor, perhaps, somebody to help you achieve those goals. You may say, man, I've got some, I've got some fitness goals. I've got some destinations that I want to arrive there, and you may hire a coach or a personal trainer to help you do that. But where do we get directions for happiness, for life, for satisfaction, for our spiritual walk? What's the place that we can turn to in order to find directions to keep us on the path towards eternal life. I can see some of you squirming in your middle school, Sunday school seats. You know the answer, right? The answer is the Bible, right? The place that we can turn first and foremost for directions, especially spiritually concerned, is the Bible. The Bible is a step-by-step instruction manual designed to help us reach the destination of knowing God and being known by Him. Psalm 119 says it this way. It says, how can a young man, we'll update it for modern terms, how can a young person keep their way pure? He answers his own question by guarding it according to your word. How can I stay on the path is what he's asking. How can I stay marching forward? The answer to his question is he knows that he's put God's word in his life, and so he's going to follow step-by-step with that. Verse 10 with my whole heart, right? With everything that is within me, with all that I possess, all of the emotion, I'm seeking you. What's his destination? His destination, he says, is you, God. I've clearly defined it. Don't let me wander from your commandments. In other words, keep me on the path. Don't let me go to the right or to the left. I want to keep in step with reaching the destination, which is you. Verse 11, 
I have stored up your word, Scripture, in my heart that I might not sin against you. Sin there is maybe a little bit deep of a word, but his thought process is if what I want is God, if my ultimate destination, my source of happiness, where I want this whole life to journey towards is God, then anything that pulls me off of that path is sinful. Anything that distracts me from pursuing God and putting him first is a distraction. So how do I keep myself on the path? How do I put up guardrails that don't let me wander off to the path to the right or to the left? His answer is the Bible is God's word. Not only reading it, but he's internalized the principles. We could go as far as to say he's probably memorized scripture verses that he can pull out when he feels tempted to go one way or the other. But I think it's also bigger than that, that he's just let God's word sink into him so that he can know internally when he's on or off the path. Later on in the same book of Psalms, it's a really, really long one. In verse 105, he says it a different way. He says, your word is a lamp for my feet. It's a light on my path. Go back in time with me to where there were no street lights, right? Where when it was dark, it was dark. If you had to travel at dusk or in the evening or sometime when there was no sunlight and no moonlight, you were utterly and completely dependent on the light to illuminate your path. And so what he's saying here is that the Bible, your scripture, keeps me on the path that I want to stay on. It makes sure I don't go off into the weeds. It makes sure I don't careen off to the left. It makes sure that I don't get off at the wrong exit in Douglas, Wyoming. It keeps me moving forward. How do I stay on the path by living according to your word, by internalizing the Bible? If Old Testament isn't good enough for you, let's go New Testament. Hebrews 4, 12. For the word of God, scripture, is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. Listen to this. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. How do we know if we're on the path towards God? How do we know if our directions are lining up with how he's calling us forward? What scripture says is that it keeps us on the path and it will judge the actions and directions of our hearts and will let us know if we step out of line. Now, I know that you know all of this already, right? You're in church after all, so you get it, right? That's at least what we presume, right? We understand, we know that Scripture is important. We all know that we ought to be reading our Bible. And I just want to make one small clarification. I'm not telling you to read your Bible. I'm telling you to follow the directions that the Bible gives you. Too often we can just get together and read the Bible. We can check off our devotional habit. We can say, yes, I've, I've done that. Yes, I've been in God's Word, and it becomes routine for us. And I'm not implying that what we need is more Bible knowledge. I'm implied what we need is more Bible practice in our lives, is actually putting things into step, not just being able to go, yeah, that's a really good idea. That would probably help me in some things, but actually going, what does it look like for me personally to hide God's Word in my heart? You might not be a type of person who reads the Bible every single day. Whenever we come to this conversation, you might feel guilty, like you're a bad disciple, like Jesus doesn't love me because I can't seem to carve out time to read Scripture. I just want to absolve you of that. Scripture nowhere says that we have to follow that practice. But what it does say is that we have to internalize within ourselves the directions in which God is calling us forward. 
Most of us spend more time with technology, with things in front of us, than we do actually listening and meditating and applying God's Word to our life. Most of us spend more time in our cars than we do in our Bible. Now, my point is not to advocate, let's all become Amish, let's ditch the cell phones, ditch the cars, all those kinds of things, but it is to say if we have a goal, if we have a destination, and if spirituality, if eternity, if God is somewhere in that definition for you, you have to evaluate whether or not the path that you're on is leading you closer to God or further away. Whether or not the steps that you're taking in your life and in your individual steps are actually putting you on the path towards becoming more Christ-like, or whether we just come to church once a week and get inoculated to say, well, there's my weekly dose of spirituality. That's not the point. That's not what God calls us to do. God calls us to keep in step with his spirit. And the way that one way that we can do that is by making sure that the Bible is a key factor within our life. Because guess what? We're not just going to wake up one day and be miraculously closer to God. We're going to have to take intentional steps day in and day out to follow the directions that lead us to the destination that we want to get to. And speaking of which, it's not just spiritual, right? So often we relegate the Bible's authority to just spiritual matters. We say, well, it's good in that compartment, but I don't think it has applications to my regular life, to work, to all those other things. Let me just remind you that Scripture has tools for life and for living in all arenas. How about parenting, right? We all know this verse, start a child off in the way that they should go, and even when they're old, they'll not turn from it. You want money advice? Lazy people want much, but they get little. But those who work hard will prosper. How about relationship advice? Marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Literally, the Bible has step-by-step instructions for every pathway within your life. And again, I'm not just saying read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible. I'm saying how do you take what you read and what you learn on a Sunday and what you apply in your life, and how do you translate that into directions for your life? Not just talking about God, but becoming more Christ-like. I can't tell you how many conversations I have where people come to me at rock bottom where things have gone way off course in their relationships, in their, in their marriage, with kids, with whatever you want to put in there. And we go back and going, man, did you follow basic biblical principles? And they said, no, I, I knew that that was in there. I just, I just didn't take the time to actually do what it said. I heard what the word said. I just didn't go the step of following the directions. I had the clear destination. I knew I wanted to raise my children in the fear of the Lord, but I didn't actually put those things into practice. I knew I wanted a God-honoring relationship, but when it came to actually executing those details, I just fell short. Scripture has a plan for us to follow and to keep with God, but our direction, the path that we're walking on, ultimately determines our destination. It's not a pinpoint in a map. It's a step-by-step walking through with God. So one clear way to get direction for our life is Scripture. Another clear way where we can get direction in our life is through trusted people around us. Other opportunities where we have godly people speaking into our life who are giving us wisdom on pathways to walk forward. We might also use the word tradition here. How have people acted previously in line and in line with the character of God? In order to determine what direction we want to walk in, what steps will get us toward the desired end, we 
can look at other people whose lives have lived up to the ways that we would like our life to end and then roll the clock backwards and go, so what processes, what steps did they put in place and how could my life look a little bit more like theirs? Hebrews 12.1 says it this way, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Since there are people around you, since there are people in this room who are at least moving together in a desired direction, in a desired destination, we ought to move together. We ought to encourage one another. We ought to make sure that when we see someone who goes to the right or to the left, that we gently encourage them and lift them up. We ought to find ways to encourage each other to run the race that is marked out for them and to find ways to do that together. Here's the reality. So many people are just lonely. So many people are missing genuine relationships in their life. As a matter of fact, I'd wager a guess that most of you are here on some capacity for relationships. Of course, there's a spiritual component. Maybe you were raised in church. Maybe you're looking for spiritual answers, but there are plenty of good sermons on the internet that you could watch. If you get up and if you make this a regular part of your life, chances are that it's because you know that you don't want to or can't follow God alone and you need other people around you to journey with. You need other people around you to be a part of what God is doing in your life. You need help to stay on the path, and that's why church on a Sunday morning exists, to be a hope and an encouragement. Yes, we're going to worship God. Yes, we're going to get clear biblical instructions, but we're also going to do that together. It's not going to be isolated because the people around us can help us mark out the directions for our life, especially at a fork in the road or when there's a hurdle to overcome, when there's something that's blocking our race forward, the people that surround us are an incredible opportunity for us to be encouraged within our own journey. Notice that Scripture comes first, of course, but in areas where Scripture is perhaps unclear or where you're not sure how it applies, people are important to help us evaluate the directions in which we are going. Third, if we can rely on Scripture first and foremost, what does God direct us to do? And where Scripture is silent or where it's unclear, we can rely on other people. A third source that we can rely on is our logic and our our reason, right? It's our own ability to decide right from wrong, right? At the end of the day, does the path that I'm on lead me to where I want to get to or not? If I follow this step, if I take this job, if I make these changes, is this going to lead me further along the path that God has called for me or further away? Another way to say this point, God gave you a brain, use it, okay? Right? Like this is a simple part of Scripture. It may not be very spiritual, but it is nonetheless true. Too often when we approach large life decisions, especially within a Christian community, we tend to over-spiritualize things, right? Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there? Well, I, I had a fortune cookie today for lunch and it said I was going to be getting a, a big promotion. And so, and then I was talking to a friend and the Powerball number was eight and I'm going to be on the eighth floor of the new office. So clearly that's God telling me that this is the direction that I should go, right? We, we over-spiritualize things and everything becomes a sign and a symbol of whether God is speaking or not speaking or leading or not leading. And I think sometimes God through the Holy Spirit is just going, what do you think is right? 
Like, what do you think you should do? What do you think you ought to do? I gave you a brain. I gave you a heart. I, I gave you some past experiences. That's, we'll get to that in just a second. But what do you think is the right decision to do here? So long as it's not expressly forbidden in Scripture, and so long as the people around you aren't going, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of, it, it's probably okay to begin to make some choices embracing the intellect to which God has given us. Perhaps not to over-spiritualize things things either, right? Because sometimes we're like the man who was praying and said that God is going to save me from the flood. And so the waters begin to rise and his neighbors come over and they say, hey, we're, we're getting out of Dodge. We've got room in the truck for you and some of your stuff. And he goes, no, no, God's going to save me. Waters begin to rise and he moves up to the second story of his house, right? And then the police boat comes, their mandatory evacuation or they say, sir, you've, you've got to get in the boat. This is a mandatory evacuation. He says, no, 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 God's going to save me right? The water is even higher. He's now on his roof. The helicopter comes in. Sir, you're going to drown. The waters are going to come. We're not even at crest height yet. There's still more water coming. You have to get out now. No, no, no. He yells over the helicopter. God's going to save me. Inevitably, the waters rise and he gets swept away. He finds himself in the presence of the Lord. God, I thought you were going to save me. What does God say? I tried to three times. Sometimes God just gives us clear directions and we just simply over-spiritualize it. It's okay to trust in the ways and in the nature that God has given us, to trust in the intellect that he's given us and the systems that are around us to help with that. A final source here is experience. What can we trust that God has spoken to us? Again, we're believers in the New Testament reality, which is that when we accept Jesus Christ, that his Holy Spirit doesn't just come and speak to us from the outside, but it makes a home. He lives and dwells within us, that he gives us power to overcome, that he gives us wisdom and knowledge, that he gives us the ability to follow after God. Sometimes we over-spiritualize things or we look for a message hidden in the scripture when really we have the very voice of God living within us, telling us the steps to take. You have the ability to follow God. You've been given the Holy Spirit, and sometimes our life experience can tell us whether or not we're headed in the right direction, whether or not we're on the path or off the path, whether or not God is leading us in one direction or another. And it's entirely possible that at some points in your life, you've just known deep down, right? You might call it a gut reaction. You might just call it intuition, but you've known that something was right, and your, your friends said it was crazy, and logically it didn't make sense and you couldn't find anything in scripture, but you still went forward with it because you knew that it was the direction that you wanted to go. You knew that it would lead you closer to the destination that God had called you towards. All of these things help us to navigate life in front of us, to have clear directions, to put us on the path to go forward. Right? But, but it can be a lot, right? It can be a lot of things to go, how do I know which scriptures are speaking and which people to listen to and, and where do I use my logic, but God is actually calling me to go in a different direction? How do we navigate all these ups and downs of lives? And as I said, we're all lonely. Most of us need somebody to talk to, need some way to go through life, which is why I think what we can all agree on for you and for me, that what we all really need is a therapist, and that may be completely true. 
But in the church, I think we can do a little bit better than that. I think that what we all need is, is a group of people, is a, is a someone that we can walk through the ups and downs of life with, is a relationship that we can begin to build on the foundation of, that we can have trusting, meaningful, deep relationships where we can talk about the direction and the destination that God is calling our lives towards and that we can keep each other on the path as we go, which is why here at the porch, we have small groups. We, have, we call them life groups because we think they're life-giving. And the reason being that when you just come to church on Sunday, you're missing out on a huge portion of the very reason that you're here. You're missing out on the social aspect because we spend half the time, actually 100% of the time, sitting in rows and staring up front. That's not how you build relationships, right? Relationships are built in a circle. They're built in a living room. They're built in somebody's presence where we can free flow a little bit more, where everything's not scheduled for us. Sunday morning is great for what it's meant to do. It's for worship. It's for edification. It's a corporate gathering where we can all be encouraged. But if you're looking for step-by-step directions for your individual circumstance, what you really need is a community of people around you to help you go in the direction that God has called you towards. What we need, each of us individually, is a group of somebodies that can help us navigate the pathways of life in front of us, right? So we have the goal of reaching people for Jesus. One of the ways that we do that, we talked about last week, that our destination is to transform ourselves into servants, that we would give ourselves away in our church, in our communities, in our own lives as we follow after Jesus. And the way that we reach that destination is that we put directional steps in place through weekly check-ins of meeting in people's homes that we call small groups, right? Life groups are the things that keep us in step with the direction that God has called us for in his destination. There are groups of eight to 14 people that meet weekly. We've got a couple different options right now. We have sermon-based groups that basically take what we talk about on Sunday and they dissect it, they break it down, and they go, how do we take what we heard about in that big room and how do we make it practical? In other words, how do we make it not just information, but how do we actually apply what we heard to our lives? We've got a couple book studies, one for women and one for men. Signups are all out there uh, at the Welcome Center. But here's what I know, and we've talked about this already. It's that people are lonely. We're lonely and we're also busy, right? Our schedules are cram-packed. We're packed to the max between work and between social outings and movies and the kids have soccer and then we've got a tournament and there's a birthday party and largely we go through life just trying to navigate and keep our calendars clear enough that we can keep our sanity, right? But chances are that all of us would agree that the destination that we want to end up at is to have quality relationships with the people around us. We would all say that what we want when we reach that goal, when we reach that place, is that we don't do it alone, but we do it with a group of people around us, close friends, people that we trust, people who've helped us along the way. When you decided to come to church, chances are it wasn't some sense of guilt or obligation, but it was actually about the people that you were going to see and interact with or the people who would depend on you. Time and time again, I hear from people who step into a church and they say, man, I'm looking for community. I'm looking to connect with people. And they end up not connecting, not because they don't want to, but because all they do is come on Sunday morning. 
And I just have to tell you, you can come every Sunday morning, every single Sunday, and still miss out on the opportunity to get to know people. Because for one hour on Sunday, you're all listening to me instead of talking with each other. A small group bridges that gap and invites you into genuine relationships with people where you can grow together, where we can have actual conversations about what's actually going on in our lives. And again, we hope that everybody would make the decision to join a small group. We think they're foundational. We think that it's how we make disciples of Jesus here at the porch. But ultimately, it's up to you and your path in front of you. And so I would just ask you to reflect on some of the questions that we've already had. Is the path that you're walking on, are the directions that you're following, that you're following leading you to a destination to where you want to get to? Or are your directions somewhat askew? Are you off a little bit? Do you need some guidance and some help along the way? I hope that you rely on Scripture. I hope that that's kind of a non-negotiable as we gather together. But I also hope that there are other people in your life to do that. And if you can't list names right now of people who are helping you stay on the path, then the best advice that I can give you today is to encourage you to consider joining a small group to consider joining a group of people who can walk with you along the direction that you would like to go in this life. Because we can't just show up at church on Sunday. We actually have to be the church. And one of the things that church does is that it connects people to living life together. Life groups help us grow in the direction of our ultimate destination. And so we're launching life group signups today. If life groups start February 10th, they'll go through um, May 15th. I don't remember what day it is. Sorry. They'll go for a while. Your life group leader will tell you. We've got five options, I think, right now of opportunities to meet. Meet on varying days of the week. There's a couple different topics. You have lots of time to think it over, to ask questions. You can have a conversation with me or any of the life group leaders. But bottom line is that we'd love to invite you into an opportunity that helps you achieve the goals and destinations that you have for your life. Because ultimately, a pinpoint on a map won't get you there. You need directions. And one of the directional steps that we can provide as a church community is a small group of people to help you navigate the life that God has put in front of you. Because bottom line is, if you're pursuing the, raw, the right destination, but you're going the wrong direction, you're never going to end up there. If you're wanting to go to Fort Collins, but you're driving south towards Pueblo, you can't get there from here. There's a, there's a concept in the Bible for this action, and it's the term repentance. Repentance literally means that you're walking one direction, and you make a 180-degree turn towards walking in a different direction. Because you've learned that perhaps your destination is not down the pathway that you thought that it was. And so in addition to evaluating this week, last week I said, come up with some destinations. Now this week, I want you to evaluate whether or not the steps that you're taking in those individual areas of your life are leading you towards your desired destination or whether you need to make a U-turn whether you need to repent of going the wrong direction. Again, the psalmist would say that any direction that is askew from leading us towards God is for him sin because it's leading him apart from God. And so the term repentance actually fits rather nicely. But where in your life do you need a U-turn? Where in your life is the destination that you're trying to get to not in line with the steps that you're taking? And again, we can, we can talk about it all day long. We can believe that we need to act differently. But until you actually take the step 
to repent, to make a U-turn, to go in a different direction, then you're never going to arrive at the destination that you desire to. Here for us, growing in our faith in a small group is the way that we help each other keep on the path that leads us toward the destination that God has called us to. And I hope that this semester you'll consider what opportunities you might have. I know your schedule's full. I know your calendar's packed. I know that you've got all kinds of reasons not to make this decision, not to prioritize this in your life. But I just have to ask you, if all of the things on your calendar, if all the things that are keeping you busy, if all of those individual places are actually getting you closer to the place where you want to go, closer to your destination, closer to your goal, or whether or not they're hindering you, whether or not they're in the way of perhaps what God has for you. And if they are, then I would give you, I would challenge you to have the courage to make a U-turn to take something off the calendar, to put something on the calendar to where you can guarantee that you're going to have steps that lead you to where you want to go. Because ultimately, it's not just about saying, I want to end up here. It's about the individual steps that we take to get there. The band's going to come up. We're going to sing one more song, and I just want to pray with you as they do. I encourage you to bow your heads, to maybe reflect on something that's stuck out to you. Maybe it's those two reflection questions, right? In the quiet of this moment, in the quiet of your own soul, maybe something hit you last week about a desired destination, about a place that you wanted to get to, and you just need a moment, a breath, a a pause in your week to sit with the Holy Spirit and to ask God to speak to you and go, are are the steps that I'm taking, are are they going to lead me to where I want to get to? Is this actually the path? Is this actually the way, or am I off base somewhere? Am I actually going to arrive where I want to? Am I actually going to arrive in your kingdom? Am I actually going to arrive with my marriage intact, with my kids growing up loving you? Are they going to be able to navigate the trials of life ahead of them? Jesus, am I on the path that's leading me towards you? Or do I need to make a U-turn? Is there some area, some place in my life where perhaps I need to maybe not take a full U-turn, but to take a step to get myself back on the path, to get some help in following some directions? Is there a place, Jesus, where you might say, I know your destination, but the steps that you're taking won't lead you there? The way your calendar looks, the way that your life is structured won't get you from where you are to where you want to be. And you have to have the hard decision to get off the road that you were on and to start a new trail, a new journey with some new directions. Heavenly Father, God, as we follow after you, as we serve you, as we worship you, God, would you speak clearly to us, not only to the destinations, to the goals, to the desires of our hearts that we have, God, but would you equip and help us to follow step by step with your Spirit? Would you give us the perspective to know when we're on the path that you've called us to or to when perhaps we need to make some adjustments? God, would you give us wisdom in those areas to trust our gut, to trust the brain that you've given us? But God, would you also give us people around us to help us navigate the ups and downs of life, God? And if we don't have those people, if we don't have those relationships, then God, I pray that you would give us the courage to make a hard choice, to put something on the calendar, to join a group of people, not because it's going to fix everything, but because it's one step in the journey that keeps us on task and on target with who you're calling us to be and where you're calling us to go. 
Heavenly Father, we're trusting you because you are the ultimate destination, God. You're where we all end up, and we don't want to end up in your presence on accident, God. We want to end up there on purpose. And so, God, would you direct our steps? Would you put us on a path that leads us towards you, not only in our spiritual walk, God, but in every area of our life that you might receive the glory? Heavenly Father, we pray all of this in your name and in the strong and mighty name of Jesus and in the Holy Spirit that lives and dwells in the hearts and lives of all believers. All God's kids agreed together and said,